This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. This episode of the History of Bad Ideas is sponsored by the Cincinnati Comic Expo, September 23rd through the 25th in Cincinnati, Ohio. Looking to meet John Barrowman from Arrow and Doctor Who fame? Looking to meet Stan Lee, the great Excelsior? Then come on down to the Cincinnati Comic Expo. Again, September 23rd through the 25th, the official sponsor of Hobie. Roger says goodbye. of Bad Ideas, episode number 143. I'm Jason, and nobody else is in the studio. I'm all alone. I feel like uh, a little lonely here. Uh, the reason was because we were on special assignment. Uh, the Dip Man joined us, and Hobie went on special assignment to the Cincinnati Comic Expo uh, 2016 in Cincinnati, Ohio, at the Duke Energy Convention Center. Uh, every September, uh, Cincinnati puts on this great, huge Cincinnati Comic Expo, um, started by Andrew and his friend Matt. As you notice, uh, Andrew was on our show a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you go back and listen, that one's a great episode. Um, so this year, it was the biggest I have ever seen it. Stan Lee was there, John Barrowman, Billy D. Williams, uh, Teddy Sears, even Baby Bruce from Gotham. Uh, but no, they had tons of great, great guests this year. Uh, the only there was one downside to that, uh, since it was so big this year and so awesome, uh, we actually had a little issue getting interviews with some people because there were so many people wanting to see these guests uh, and the artist. Uh, the other thing is we didn't want to take away from the amount of fans there uh, with the artist. Uh, like I said, I've never seen it this huge. It was great. It flowed wonderfully. The only issue was uh, we could not get as many interviews just because we personally did not want to take away uh, from the artists selling their items and their products. So uh, we did get some good ones, though. We got Travis McIntyre from Source Point, and here it is. And Travis, you're from Snake Oil Comics. Is Dev? I am. I'm also a co-host of Snake Oil Comics. But what is your true love besides podcasting? Uh, well, my true love is probably being uh, the editor in chief of SourcePoint Press. That's what I spend uh, the majority of my time doing when I'm not, you know, sitting at a comic book store berating Devin for all the stupid shit that he does. He deserves it. He does, he does deserve it. So you're at the expo. Your first year here. Yep. Uh, uh, how do you like it so far? I think it's really nice. And, uh, you know, things, I, I do a lot of conventions. This is uh, <laughs> the 39th or 40th this year that I've done. 
So things that I appreciate are probably different from what other people appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like I like like easy to load in. <laughs> it's important to me. And this show is really well organized, I thought, and really easy to get in, easy to set up. Nice facility, nice hotel. You know, good. It's cool. Plus, I really like the city of Cincinnati. How can you not? We're here. That, that's right. Well, and that's why. <laughs> I know Dev has other feelings for that. <laughs> Don't listen to him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so what is your biggest seller? Because you're an independent uh, branch, but you guys have been growing a lot lately. Yeah, the last year especially has been really big for us. Um, well, right now, here today, because David Hayes is here with us, um, the biggest seller we've had so far yesterday and today has been uh, Rotten Tail, okay. which is a graphic novel about a... Uh, it's basically a Spider-Man story. A lab uh, assistant gets bitten by a, a, a laboratory rabbit and ends up turning into a mutant Easter bunny. Okay. Where he then goes back to his home of Easter Falls and murders everyone in the town. It's, it's a splatter comedy, you know, pretty hardcore horror uh, graphic novel. And we also signed the movie rights to it uh, several months ago, and it goes into pre-production at the beginning of October. Nice. So. Um, we did a, a special print run of it, you know, and, we, and we've been selling them half off at the show, so that we've been moving a lot of those. Um, and Dave is here, so that's been selling good. Uh, otherwise, probably our classic bestseller is the Monster series. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen those? Yes. Um, it's a four-issue series. Each one is sort of standalone, but in the same world. Mm-hmm. Um, five, six, seven, or eight are about half done in production now. That's probably our traditional bestseller in terms of, you know, how many hard copies have moved over the past since it came out, which was October of last year. Um, And then um, probably what will overtake everything is the Holliston book that comes out October 26th, the um, Adam Green's Holliston TV show. We're doing a comic adaptation of that. Mm -hmm. And so we've been taking pre-orders all summer for it, and that's that's looking to be a really strong release, so we're excited about it. And that's gotten good word of mouth, too, from everything I've seen online, too. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, well, you've got D. Snyder talking about it on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's a huge help because the guy has a massive audience, you mm-hmm. know, the Twisted Sister audience and all that because he's in the show. Mm-hmm. So that, that stuff has helped. And plus, Adam himself is a big name in the horror community with Hatchet and Digging Up the Marrow and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, and he's been on board from the beginning, just pushing it and talking about it. And the whole cast has been pushing it and talking about it. Um, you know, which is uh, Laura Ortiz, Corey English, Bill Mosley, and uh, Joe Lynch um, have all been really pushing it hard to their fan base. So we've we've had a huge. I mean, we did we did like uh, 200 of them that were going to be cast signed. Just a, just 200, you know, signed oh, okay. and numbered with the whole whole main cast of four characters. Mm-hmm. We're going to sign it. And we put it up as a pre-sale, um, you know, and they were, I mean, they were, it was kind of expensive because we have to ship it all over the country to get everybody to sign sure. it. So they were 25 bucks a piece. And I think we started the pre-sales at like noon, and by four, we'd sold 160 of them. Jesus. So, and then by sometime two days later, they were completely gone. Mm-hmm. So... You know, that, that was like, for us, we were like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like we might really be on to you know, like a big seller. You yeah. Know? Well, if you can get, you know, when you do a high-priced, a premium item like that, you know, because the book is going to be a $6 cover price book. Mm-hmm. It's a nice square-bound, 50-page, full-color comic. Um, and it's an easy sell, right? But when you, like, upcharge because it's like, oh, it's going to be autographed, you make a premium item, and it's like, burns through like that, mm-hmm. you feel like... 
that's pretty awesome. So like that makes me think that when the book is actually physically here and out, it's gonna be a it's gonna do well. And I people are willing, especially comic book fans, they're willing to pay for good stuff. You know, the six dollar cover charge in that. Mm-hmm. I don't think people blink an eye if it's good quality. No, and that's I, the thing. If it's a tin foil cover, aluminum foil cover, they may blink. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think you guys should do. Oh, that's my Jesus. big thing. I really think oh, they'll come God. back. I, I, <laughs> Please. Hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're wrong. I don't want to be the uh, spear tip that uh, murders the industry again. Uh, and uh, you also have um, kind of more of a kids version, uh, which I kickstarted. Uh, Bionni. Bionni. Yes. Oh yeah, that was well. That that's actually just me. I didn't mm-hmm. do that under source one. That published through Caliber Comics. Okay. Um, who is also here? Um, okay. Do you know Gary Reed? No. I'll introduce you. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy. Uh, he's editor chief of Caliber. He's a kind of a legend in the business. He's been around for 30 years. Caliber's one of the original indie publishers in the U.S., along with Dark Horse and Oni Press mm. in the 80s. Um, you know, they, they published The Crow oh, okay. uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. Gentle Bar. A lot of guys got their start there. Brian Bendis got his start there. Uh, Michael Allred, who went on to do Madman mm-hmm. and the other famous, famous things. All got their start there, and uh, I'm from the area, and so for me, uh, Caliber was a the big one. Well, it was just something I always wanted to do. Yeah. So when I did Bionni, I was working on Bionni about the same time that Gary was relaunching Caliber, because Caliber had gone through some rough times and had kind of went out of business for a couple of years, and Gary was relaunching it, and uh, we had met at conventions. Um, and uh, so I had finished the first issue of Bionni, which I was just holding on to. And I was, originally, I was going to start pitching it around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sort of a side project. Uh, I should bring, Bionni, what it is, is it's, it's like um, a Pokemon-esque monster hunter type of thing, but it all takes place on, in the Philippines, and it's all based on Filipino folklore. So yeah. all the monsters are super creepy Filipino Islander mythology. And, I love the art in it. Crazy weird shit. Oh, yeah, the art. Uh, Grant Perkins, he's... Um, uh, well, he's probably best known for doing the Penguins of Madagascar comic mm-hmm. um, through, through DreamWorks and Titan Comics, and now he does a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, the art's great. It does that real geometric mm-hmm. style. So um, Gary's relaunching Caliber, and I'm you know I'm a total mercenary, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're gonna need some new content, right? You know, and of course, at first Gary, he's like, nah, well, I've got you know 1,500 graphic novels from back in stock. I can do those, get them all up digitally, and I'm like, or you could take this new stuff, and you know, I sort of like cajoled him into taking it, so we did three issues, and then um, I did a Kickstarter for a collected edition, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, and those all went out, and then, and then we've been kind of sitting on it, because we did the single issues, the first three, and then we're doing a, um, a, a wide distribution of the trade uh, okay. in a couple of months, and then four, five, and six will come out after that, and then another. You know, because it's in the indie comics world, it's difficult to maintain a monthly. Sure. Know? So we kind of do one, two, three came out, and then we'll do a trade, and then four, five, six, and then we'll do a trade, mm-hmm. and then seven, eight, nine, and it's planned for eleven. So it'll be seven, eight, nine, and then. 10-11, and then like a bestiary compendium issue that kind of goes through each monster that you use. And, okay. And what parts of the mythology I used and what I changed and things like that. Because in the indie world, you're right, every, you don't get a monthly comic most of the time. It's more like a TV show. You have a season, you're done, you go away for a little bit, and it comes back every time it seems. Right. Um, now, uh, 
You're 39 to 40 conventions this year already? Yeah, and I've still got, uh, I mean, next weekend I'm at Monroe Comic Con mm -hmm. in Michigan, which is a, a small show, but it's a really, really good show. And then um, New York, obviously, after that. And then um, we're a horror publisher, so New October as a whole. Piece of itself, man. Yeah, it's a, can I say fuck on this show? Oh yeah, yeah, we're explicit. It's you're a fine. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fine. <laughs> October is a fucking nightmare, kind of. It's I, every single week I'm gonna have something. Uh, if whether it's a store signing on a Saturday of, or a full convention, mm -hmm. um, and then November I've got three, and then it wraps up, and I take December and January off. How come? And then. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> and then, otherwise, my wife... I was going to ask you, that was the next uh, question. Well, was <laughs> When I started the company, um, and I pulled together some investment money, and I put in some myself, and, you know, my wife and I, we had a long talk, and I was like, look, you know, because I've been doing some writing and, and having some comics published and things like that, and done a little bit of self-publishing, and, and she kind of knew... She was okay with that part, because it was, you know, it was a hobby thing, and sure. it was fine. And then when when I sort of got in with um, Josh and Trico, who had founded SourcePoint, and they had just started it, and I was like, you know, they, these guys are interested in having me come in and, and really help, you know, and, and actually put some capital into this business. We had a long talk about it, and, um, you know, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, mm -hmm. and at the time I had like a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a brand-new baby, and I was like, uh, this is going to take a lot of time, you know, we're talking like 40-plus weekends a year. You know, a lot of evenings. It's basically going to be another full-time job. And, uh, you know, Laura is a wonderful woman. She basically, we kind of said, look, give me three years. Mm -hmm. Give me three years, and if I can't make it work, at least to the point where I personally don't have to do 40 Every shows day. a year, mm -hmm. um, then I will back it off and we'll shrink down to where it doesn't have to happen. So I've got basically to the end of 2017 to uh, keep pushing real hard, you mm -hmm. know, me personally, and then, but I, I mean, I think it's already starting to kind of slowly turn that corner, you know, to mm -hmm. where we've grown a lot, and we're getting noticed a lot more, and we're getting a lot more distribution, a lot more avenues are open up, and, you know, we've got, you know, you know we signed a book to a, a movie deal, mm -hmm. we've got several other properties that are being looked at, we've got one more in current development, um, you know, as far as film goes, so some of that sort of stuff... I mean, I brought in on an assistant not too long ago, so hopefully, you know, I can kind of get him up to speed, and I can, not that I don't love doing the shows, because I do, I just, I would like it's to get down, it's a lot of work, though, I'd like it? to get down to about 12, mm -hmm. I think about 12 is, is, is good, and to be honest with you, I didn't really see, to a certain extent, like, yeah, it, it kills me sometimes, like, because I miss the kids, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, well, would it be better to do this when they're seven and nine? Yeah, you know, like it seems like this is the time, right? When and, and you're similar to me because I have three young kids, six of my oldest. Oh, so Lord. yeah, trying to find any weekend, like I don't even know how you guys do because I have trouble finding time to just go to an expo. <laughs> uh, well, well, one thing, I, I, my my wife's mother lives in the same town as us. So okay, that, that's a huge help. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, my wife's just a trooper, man. She's a trooper. <laughs> And, if, and honestly, if you don't have that, that's the biggest thing. Is oh, if, she could she could totally deep six this. She could make my life completely <laughs> miserable. Uh, but it's it's working out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it gets tiring. So I take January, February off, and then uh, you know next year February starts off pretty strong. And, you know, I think we've got two in February, and then um, once March hits, you're kind of right into the spring mm -hmm. season. So it's and it goes pretty much nonstop. Yeah, I mean you got. 
Seattle and CGE tours, like some of the big, big, big shows are in there. So, can you talk about uh, classic pulp, right? Classic pulp. Yes, because I see it all the time on Facebook and everything else. Yeah, I'm classic pulp is, is a strangely has turned into one of our most popular titles, um, particularly with comic book stores. Mm-hmm. So. What it is, is uh, it's Josh Werner, who I don't know if you've ever met, but I, I can introduce you if you haven't. Um, he's a kind of a super freak fan of the real old school 40s and 50s pulp horror, pulp detective, um, that whole genre. And I, and I dig it very much, too. So um, what we kind of did is uh, we literally dig through old, dirty long boxes and actually find the old issues that were often like magazine style issues mm-hmm. that had were full of like shorts, right? Mm-hmm. And were often didn't even credit the artists or writers. So, and, and it's all public domain. So we take it, we pick out some that we want to use, we try to pick a theme. Number one is horror, number two is detectives, number three is... Uh, going to be all Ellery Queen stories and four, I don't I don't think we've actually settled on what four is going to be yet um, but we scan the pages in and Josh goes through and digitally recreates them basically, he cleans out all the wrinkles tape marks, ink, pencil damage, everything else he then goes through and does basically a recolor on them because uh, printers are different now than they were then, so to actually get the book to look exactly the same as it did when it first came off the presses in the 1940s and 50s, you have to kind of do a recolor um, to, to sort of try to try to recreate that accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do a ton of research to try to figure out, as close as we can, um, sometimes we can't find it, but we've got a pretty good track record. I'd say we're like 75% of the time we figure out who wrote and, and illustrated the story. So we put credit in, and then we re-release them in our classic pulp series. Mm-hmm. And um, it started off, it was just sort of a, Josh wanted to do it because he enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, almost like a hobby book. And it was like, oh, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, we we may print, and it started off, we'd print like 25 at a time, take them to a show, and then we'd sell them. So we, then we started doing slightly bigger print runs. Then once we kind of started pushing them into stores, it turned into one of the things where a lot of shop owners were like, it was something they could really grasp onto um, because they would already know, like, oh, I got five guys who will buy this sight unseen because they love this show, mm-hmm. right? So it turned into this thing where they could buy, like, the shop would buy from us, and they'd go directly into a pull list. You know, they, they knew the profit was there, and then they'd buy a couple extra to put on the wall. Mm-hmm. So the Classic Pulp ended up becoming this really good um, wedge in the door for us to kind of get in with all the rest with of the stuff that they'd stuff. never heard of, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, so strangely enough, it's worked out, and it's probably one of my favorite books, um, I don't know if you've ever seen one, but, uh, the, one of the coolest things, is we did a ton of work on the paper, oh, wow, like, so it's actually like a faux newsprint paper, yeah. but it's actually more durable, but you get the same look and feel, like, it feels a lot like newsprint, and the colors, yeah. the colors pop, and it has the same. We wanted it to look as close as we could possibly make it, mm-hmm. while still cleaning up all the mess from it being a rotting old comic book to what it looked like when you first pulled it off the shelves. Then, and you end up with, <laughs> I mean, you end up with some absolutely beautiful shit. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous, weird. I mean, some of these old things like horror, old horror, and old hot set, they are fucking weird shit. There's weird mm-hmm. shit these people were writing about. I. Uh, we get some great stuff. Because I love the old Tales from the Crypt uh, <laughs> stories and that. Yep. And, well, and to lesser extent, 
Creature from Black Lagoon, those type of movies. Like, I love those movies. Yep. And yep. it's such a niche market, and you can't find anything on it. Yep. It's very, it's very niche, and it's very... Um, it still has a real underground type of quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it definitely is not for everyone, but I tell you what, like you can always tell what it is for someone because that can be one of the easiest sales we make. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we don't pitch it usually. It's usually someone walks up and wants it. Yeah. They're like, oh, I want, I want this thing, you know, and it's a boom, easy sell. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, we do a lot of pitching with other stuff because we're a smaller press sure. publisher and you got to tell people what you're doing. But that one, if you're the type of person who wants it, you want it, and it's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Are you ever going to do, like, My Little Pony or anything like it? <laughs> <laughs> we do uh, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick, which is, uh, which is, this is Gary Reed right there. Oh, okay. Rusty old bastard. <laughs> um, we do Dead Duck and Zombie Chick by Jay Fosgett, which is sort of his adult cartoon. He's um, uh, My Little Pony artist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, pretty well known. He also did uh, Rocket and Groot. Yeah. For Marvel. And I think he's done some Avengers. And... Which, if you would have told me you could do a Rocket and Groot comic book in 2017, 16, uh, boggles my mind. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, now you can, but I mean. I'm in one of them. I'm in Really? One. Yeah. Uh, me and Devin are both. We, uh, there's the Jay did one that was uh, Rocket and Groot are fighting against this planet of these blue uh, Vikings, space Vikings. Mm-hmm. And in the background of one of the panels, there's two kind of dopey Vikings. And that's, you, you can totally tell that it's me and Devin. Let me ask you this. So, obviously, Marvel, DC, they have their their movies come out in that. Do you see a big impact, like, audience-wise coming over to you? Because everybody always says the movies don't impact the comics as much. Yeah, vice I think versa. that's kind of bullshit. I think that the movies... Um so from our perspective as a smaller company pushing things and pushing into the film market and trying mm-hmm. to get into the film market, I have found that uh, things are... Okay, so for us... Sorry about that. No, you're fine. For us, uh, trying to push into the film space and you know get production companies to look at our stuff and um, you know look at our pitches and then pulling in investment money and doing things like that, I have found that because of the success of things like the Marvel cinema mm-hmm. cinematic universe and what they've done and their model it is and again I don't want to because there's probably a ton of people trying to do this mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak I'm speaking only for me sure I have personally found that it has been all so much easier to get that door open mm-hmm. than it than it was previously because they've seen the success in well, that. and there and and there's now um and it kind of has always been. I mean, there's been tons of movies. Like, History of Violence was a graphic novel before yes. it was a movie. Crow was a graphic novel before it was a movie. It's, this isn't a, it's a brand new, mm-hmm. but it's the first time that it's, like, a giant production company hooked up with a giant comic company, and we're like, let's make a shitload of movies. Mm-hmm. And, and then they were like, holy fuck. Like, people will not only watch a movie that's part one, part two, part three, but they'll watch movies that are interlocking yes. as a pyramid building towards a thing. Like, like who would have ever imagined that movies might work exactly the same fucking way comics work. <laughs> so that has made, in my personal experience, we have had a lot of luck. And so a lot of it is luck. Don't let anybody... I mean, you do make your own luck and there's a ton of hard work, but some of it's just being in the right place at the right time, saying the right thing to the right person, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I've had a few of those moments that 
I got really lucky to have met a person and they were interested and, and moved on from there. But it does feel like because of the huge success of that and the fact that the audience has become more casual and more mainstream and mm. less less of a, a niche thing for just comics in general across the board. I mean, obviously, it's, it's superheroes are here still. Sure. Uh, you know, high. But it's trickled down. You know, mm. And that there's just... I, I producers and, and, and investors and distribution companies are just more open to the idea mm-hmm. of doing stuff. Now, for us, our model is completely different from like a Marvel model is. You know, it's it's similar in that like, but it's it's more like we're of indie horror and sci-fi. Yeah. So I want to make indie horror and sci-fi movies, right? Correct. You know, I don't want to spend two hundred fifty million. I want to spend one more year. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to make a B horror. Sci-fi movie, and I want to, you know, do a, more of an underground release. That's that's what I'm interested in. That's what I do, and and also the risk is far lower, lower than making a 220 million dollar film that you know that you then spend 200 million promoting. And Are you trying to talk Batman v Superman? <laughs> Not necessarily, but that's that's a good example. Good example of that. <laughs> um, you know, so we uh, it, it's not exa- it, not really. The, that similar what we're trying to do but mm. it has opened those doors now you know now we've had a lot of um, you know B-horror B-sci-fi filmmakers and producers have been really interested in our line of stuff because we're building an audience from a grassroots on a new IP mm-hmm. right and, and it's already a comic and it's already out there in the marketplace and it's already moving and selling and has a little bit of a fan base and, and you come in and you're asking for a million or 750,000 to make this movie which in the movie world is micro budget sure you know, and it's it's because of this huge success that's trickled all the way down, and people are far more open to looking at stuff like this. You know, so for me, I think that it's it's been great, and I love the fact that um, you know, and if you've ever listened to Snake Oil Comics, mm-hmm. you're probably aware that I'm not like a super big fan of superhero comics. I've, I've heard that. I've heard um, rumors. <laughs> so, But I appreciate it. Yeah. And, I, and the, the good stuff I like. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I have like some soft spots for some of the goofy shit too. Um, but I'm not like a hardcore fan of any of that stuff, you know. But um, for me personally, I, I love the fact that it's become pushed itself into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because... One, it creates space at the bottom for guys like me, mm-hmm. right? When they move into more mainstream, that that pushes everybody gets drug along in the wake a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. And so I, I think it's I think it's great. Well, even with the expo, I mean, even if you're just a fan of the movies and that, it brings people to see your work and it brings people in that may not have been looked at it. Here's 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 a here's a good way to look at it. I kind of mentioned this maybe I think before the interview started is that. One of the hardest guys for me to sell a book to is a really big Batman fan. Mm -hmm. The guy who's a really big Batman fan just loves Batman. And that's great, right? I'm not against it, Mm -hmm. but that's what he's into. More power to him. He loves Batman. He comes to a place like this. He wants to buy Batman shit. He's hoping Scott Snyder's here. He wants to get his Batman book signed or Neil Adams. Yeah. He's a, a Batman guy. He likes Batman stuff. I don't sell any Batman stuff. Right? We don't do Batman. Mm hmm. Um, it's really hard for me to. Sorry, it's really hard for me to sell a book to that guy mm-hmm. because he's not interested. He knows what he wants. When you bring in 
people who are casual fans who are like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed the Batman v Superman movie. I've never met one of those, but I assume that. <laughs> You've heard rumors. I assume they're out there somewhere. <laughs> or maybe they love the, I don't know, maybe they love the Christopher Nolan movies. Whatever. Or but the original Daredevil. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> they are, they, but that's what they like. They, yeah. like. they thought that was cool. Like, oh, let's go to a Comic-Con. Great. But those people are not so beholden to this thing mm-hmm. that they're unwilling to be like, oh, wow, cool, look at this other stuff. You know, like, it's really easy to get those people to, like, open up and try an underground thing or an independent yeah. thing or a weird horror book or a weird sci-fi book because they're not myopic about what they're trying to find. Mm-hmm. You know? So, for me, I love the fact that it's opening up into a mainstream audience and it's kind of allowing mainstream buyers and mainstream fans to come in and find their own little weird shit that they that they mm-hmm. like, you know. Now, uh, before we cut out here, tell us where we can find you guys. Um, well, we're all over all of the various social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we're easy to find. It's at SourcePTPress on Twitter. It's at SourcePointPress on Instagram, um, you know, Facebook dot com backslash sourcepoint press easy to find uh, www.sourcepointpress.com is uh, our website it gets updated regularly we have a blog on there um, we have two different web comics that we're developing that we're going to start releasing free just as sort of a, an experiment mm-hmm. um, one by uh, Bob Sally who I don't know if you've met before mm-hmm. um, look him up he's, okay. he's he does some really awesome stuff and we have a book coming it's, we're going to release a web comic called Shelter Division that I'm really excited about and it is fucking gorgeous. The art is so good. Um, anyway, um, also our store is there so you can order order anything. Um, we're also carried in uh, a lot of stores, particularly stores in, you know, near where we're from, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. Michigan, you know, Chicago, uh, Michigan especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we've got, you know, we have stores from California to Boston, Massachusetts, so... Um, you know, if, uh, if you're listening and you want to buy us at a comic book store and we're not there, one of the best things you can do to help a small press publisher is walk into your store and say, hey, I want to buy this stuff. Will you get it in for me? Mm-hmm. You know, that is hugely helpful for us. So, um, I think a lot of people don't realize all you have to do is ask with yeah, the comic book stores. Ask. They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll find us. You know, they want to make money. So yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll generally do it. Um, and that's a huge help for us because that, that lets us create another relationship with a retailer and start getting them, you know, carrying our books and getting used to ordering our books and getting our books in front of people who don't know they already want it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's it. And if you're looking for me personally, I'm at McIntyre one uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty... Uh, I'd say that I'm relatively accurate. I guess I'm more of a serial retweeter than anything yeah. else. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, um, that's just laziness. <laughs> <laughs> well, Travis, I appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good expo. Yeah, you too. Well, thank uh, Source Point and Travis for that. Uh, he took a lot of time, and uh, there was a lot of people going by his booth uh, looking at his artwork and the comics, so I appreciate him taking time out for that. Uh, next... Uh, we actually got to interview one of the bigger uh, artists in the in- industry, uh, Jay Foskett. Uh, he does uh, My Little Pony. Uh, he does Deadpool. Actually, he'll tell you a lot more about it. Uh, but it was great to actually uh, sit with him and uh, just for a few minutes and listen. Again, he had a long line at his table, so I did not want to take too, up too much time. But it was great to uh, talk to him and uh, just get a little bit more insight uh, into the whole uh, art industry of comic books. Enjoy. 
This is Jason from the History of Bad Ideas at the Cincinnati Comic Expo, interviewing Jay Fosgett from uh, the Artist Alley. Jay, thanks for coming on our show. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so, first time at the expo? Uh, this is the first time I've done it in about six years now. Okay. And what are your thoughts so far? Uh, last time I did this was, uh, like I said, about six years ago, and I'm from Detroit, so uh, a bunch of us Michigan artists come and do this show often. So. Okay. Um, and you're in Cincinnati, so what more can you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so tell us what uh, fans can uh, see your work from. Okay, well, um, I'm an artist on My Little Pony for IDW. Mm-hmm. I'm a frequent artist on a lot of Marvel comics. I've done covers for Avengers, for the Spider-Man line. Uh, most recently, Deadpool. I've drawn Gwenpool. Um, so quite a few just this year alone. I've done a lot of work for Boom. And a couple other unrelated things for IDW, and then I have my own titles, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick, which is published by Source Point Press. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my all-ages book, Bodie Troll, which was published by Red 5 Comics, and now I'm self-publishing currently, so... Uh, we actually, when I was interviewing Travis, we were talking about your Dead Duck uh, comic. What uh, what was your inspiration for it? Like, what came up with that idea? Oh, well, I was, uh, like, 14 when I created it, and at the time I was a big fan of Tim Burton movies, and I really liked macabre, goofy stuff. And I was like cartoon ducks, so I just sort of decided to do my own spin on that and incorporating all these different interests. Okay. And how many issues are you out with that? Well, originally I had put out a full graphic novel through Ape Entertainment back in 2009, and then hadn't done anything with the characters in years, and then talking to Travis at SourcePoint, we decided to put out a one-shot of brand new material, never, mm-hmm. never before published material, and so we just put out the one issue, and it's really been kind of taken off, so next year we're talking about putting out an omnibus, which would collect all pre-existing material, put in some new stuff, and have some surprises in there, and we have some other Dead Duck projects in the works that we hope to announce soon. Okay. Um, so, you've worked with the big companies, obviously, before, and that, what is your, who's your favorite character to draw? Um, honestly, it's it's my own character, Bodie Troll. Okay. That's if I could draw nothing but Bodie, I'd be very happy. So it's uh, the the adventures are very fun fairy tale stuff. So that's okay. what I like to do. Can you give us a synopsis of what that is? Yeah, uh, Bodie is a fairy tale troll who wants to be big and scary, but he's too cute and cuddly, so no one takes him seriously. Most of his adventures revolve around him trying to be the villain of the fairy tale, but he inevitably ends up the hero despite his best efforts. Okay. And how many issues are you out with that? Uh, we had originally put out four issues through Red 5 Comics and then we did a collected trade of that first volume and then we put out issue one of the second miniseries and then there's been some problems at the publisher and I my contract was up there so that's why I'm moving on um, so we're waiting to release issues two through four of this next miniseries and I've got a lot of stuff you know that I have planned out for the future for it okay good good um and then you obviously have sketches throughout all the table in that. Do you How do you pretty much become good at it? I mean, how do you throw well, up and covers? In my case, I've been drawing since I was two years old, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's not necessarily the way you have to do it to be a pro in the industry, but I've drawn nonstop when I was five. I said I was going to be a cartoonist when I grew up, and so that was my singular goal. But I know guys that, like one of my very close friends went to college to study music. He wanted to teach music, and he just enjoyed drawing on the side. And in the middle of college, he's like, you know, I think I want to switch to art. I'm a little more interested in art. And now he's uh, doing uh, Future Quest for DC's Evan mm-hmm. Shaner. Um, 
he's been doing a lot of stuff for Marvel and DC and other publishers for the last close to 10 years now. So. And the Future Quest is really interesting. Yeah. With the Hanna-Barbera so, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know. It's at any point in your life, you know, just so long as you have the talent and the drive, you can make it happen. So. Where, when do you think you felt like you've made it? Not that I know most artists I've talked to have said, you know, they never really feel like they've made it. it but was, uh, I started to feel like I was gaining a foothold in the industry. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'd really started going full-time in comics around 2007 mm-hmm. with Dead Duck. But it wasn't until about 2012 when the Bodhi trade had come out, I realized I was building a fan base with that, and I was getting more recognized at conventions. That's when I felt like, okay, things are starting to happen. And then once uh, I got gigs with Marvel, then I felt like, okay, this is it. I, I made it happen. This is mm-hmm. what I'm waiting for. So. And then you've, uh, are you still going to do some more Deadpool covers? or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one coming out for Deadpool too soon. I think issue one. Uh, it's a variant cover, and that comes out, I believe, October 18th. Okay. I think. Um, and then I just got assigned a new Deadpool cover this past week for the, the I think it's the regular regular series. I can't say much about it, but it's it's very much fits my, my cartooning interests. Okay. Yeah. What is the one thing since you do My Little Pony in that, and the fan base is rampant for it sometimes, uh, what is, um, I want to say, what is the most interesting thing, surprising thing you've uh, seen from the fan base with it? Um, anger. Really? Anger, yeah. I have a lot of fans that say I'm their favorite artist on their series, or at least they really like my work on the mm-hmm. series, but the ones who are very negative and, and aggressive about it, hunt me down on Twitter, and I get crap from them all the time. I just don't respond, because all you're doing is fueling it. And that's, sure. what, that's what I would advise anyone that gets any negativity, just don't respond. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's their fuel. Once you don't respond, they got nothing to, to combat, you know, but it still hurts and it's frustrating, but I have a lot of friends in the industry that are like, you know what, screw it. Ponies is a good franchise to work on, you have fans on there, and, you know, to be honest about it, it it's good paying and it's, it's a nice chunk of my career so and I've I've did uh, I used to collect a lot of IDW and that uh, just in the last five ten years and that and it's a great publisher uh, to work with and I like that they do a lot of the niche markets not that my little pony's niche but it's a you don't expect it, it. Yeah. yeah you don't expect it to be a bigger one yeah um Okay, I'll let you go because I know you got people at your table here and that, but I appreciate it. Where can we find you at and your books uh, go at? To, go to jfosgett.com. Okay. Uh, my comics are sold in comic shops all over the world in some cases. Sure. So, uh, yeah, jfosgett.com has links to all my social media, and you'll find out where I'll be next for whatever con and uh, what projects are coming up. Okay, Jay, I appreciate it. Thank right, you. Thank you very much. We want to thank Jay for that. Uh, it was great sitting down with him, and uh, you can find all of his artwork at jfosgett.com. And, uh, again, he's in Deadpool. He's doing the um, covers for it. He does My Little Pony, uh, so check him out. Next up, we have Ben Peter, the makeup artist from Face Off on the Sci-Fi Channel. He was a great guest, and enjoy. This is Jason with the History of Bad Ideas, talking to Ben Peter from Face Off, makeup artist. Ben, how you doing? Good, how you guys doing? Great. Uh, is this your first time at, in Cincinnati with this the show? This is actually my third time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you like it so far? It's good. It gets bigger each year. Yes. So it's, it's really nice. Uh, I've noticed that this year, like today's Sunday, it's a little bit slower, yeah. but it's still packed pretty good. Yeah. Yesterday was extremely packed. Um, today, it's... People will start trickling in more and more. Seems like they kind of got the uh, the uh, dance. There was a dance last night. Mm-hmm. The ball. 
Yes. Um, seems like they're still trying to wake up from that, but yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. Now everybody knows you from Face Off and that. Um, you know what got you started in this industry, basically? So when I was a kid, which was back in. 80s and 90s mm-hmm. uh, there was a show called Movie Magic and okay. I think they only had like one or two seasons of it mm-hmm. um, and it really showed behind the, the scenes of how they make uh, miniature props and um, the Michael Jackson thriller oh, okay. know, movies and stuff like that um, so that really got my interest going and then throughout the years you tend to grow up and forget about stuff and um, I kind of faded away from all of it uh, ended up joining the Marine Corps. You know, I was a helicopter mechanic for five years. Um, worked on hydraulics and sheet metal work and stuff. So I still did mechanical stuff with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until probably 2011, 2010, 2011, I saw a guy that was carving pumpkins. He's doing three-dimensional pumpkins. His name's Ray Villafane. Okay. Um, his work is phenomenal. And then um, I figured, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. So I started getting into it and learning how to carve, you know, pumpkins, three-dimensional faces. And uh, I actually contacted him, and he was giving me pointers on, you know, what kind of pumpkin to pick and, you know, the, the weight of it and stuff. Um, and so I wanted to learn more about, like, the human anatomy and sculpting and stuff. So I went to a school out in California called uh, Cinema Makeup School. Okay. Um, and it was a four-month uh, master's program. And I've got to meet uh, Steve Wang, uh, uh, Steve Johnson, um, V. Neal. Like, they're all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all part of the school. You know, they all come and check out, you know, students' work and stuff. And uh, Which is invaluable, having those guys help yeah, you. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, they have, like, they'll have, like, a Christmas party. And uh, Rick Baker will just show up and be talking to people. And you're like, uh, hey, what's up? He's like, oh, what's, he's super nice. Like, what's going on? He starts asking questions and stuff, um, which is just crazy to think of that, you know, you could be a student at the school and Rick Baker walks in just to bring in a Say prop. Say hi. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to bring in a prop to set up in their little gallery or something. Um, so, um, so I got into doing that. And then it was probably about two years later, you know, um, I tried out for Face Off, and somehow I got accepted, and you know, it was just a story from there. What for Face Off fans? What is the biggest surprise? Because you know that people wouldn't know the the general audience wouldn't um, know. A lot of people think, or they have questions that um, do you get extra time? You know, mm-hmm. they don't show on camera, and the answer is no. <laughs> that um, is what it is. Yeah, and you actually get less time than you think because they say you get three days to work on a project. Mm-hmm. Well, the first day you get your 30 minutes for your sketch design, and then you get five hours in the lab. The second day you get nine hours in the lab, and then the third day you get four hours in the lab and one hour last looks. <laughs> so you're only getting 19 hours out of three days. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's crazy. And it's it, not the what they yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, you don't get extra hours, you know. When they say put your brushes down, you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get any extra time. And it'd be kind of nice if they would let us have extra time, but they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what has Face Off done for you, like opening the doors in that industry? Um, Face Off is really just being able to uh, self promote. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets your foot in the door. So, you know, it's what you make of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people that have been on Face Off and they just 
fade off and go to regular jobs. And then you get people like Wayne Anderson that, you know, does phenomenal sculpting work. And he did phenomenal work before he was even on face-off. But it helped show, you know, things that he can do. And now he works at, like, Legacy and, like, other places. They're like, hey, we've got a uh, crocodile we want to make. They're like, oh, contact Wayne. Because he's, like, super into, like, crocodile skins and, like, fish and... Um, like the hard scaly yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, the real detail, like skin pores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's really just, you know, leaps and bounds above other, you know, artists. And it's just phenomenal. I got to meet him when I was uh, at Cinema Makeup School. He had actually just finished filming his season. And he was in working on his brother's project. Um, the big, uh, what was it called? The Draxis or something. It's got the big wings and mm-hmm. stuff. Big horns, crazy horns and stuff. Well, he was working on his brother's body cast while, uh, while I was in school. And so I was helping him, like, throw mud and, like, mix you know, yeah. stuff up so that he could make his brother's body cast. So I got pictures of that when we were working together. And that was, it wasn't really working together. It was more of, like, I was there and just like, hey, you want a hand? He's like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so super nice guy, like, the nicest guy you'd ever meet. So. What is your favorite creature design that you've ever done? Uh, I know that's probably tough because yeah, they're I, all kind of your baby. Yeah, I like them all for different reasons. Um, the Hellraiser or the it was the Clive Barker challenge mm-hmm. um, was probably one of the more difficult because um, when we were we were at the Whiskey Go Go in Los Angeles and uh, the models came walking down the steps already in wardrobe. And we were like, so what can we do to the wardrobe? They said nothing. <laughs> you had to make a, a, a character off of the wardrobe because mm-hmm. that's what Clive Barker used to do. He used to go to places like Whiskey and Go-Go and see what the the weird outfits people were wearing and the leather, you know, and the lace mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And that's how he came up with the Cenobites. You know, he already had the idea of the leather and the long trench coats and stuff. Well, what's the most creepy thing you do with that? Well... I'm going to rip their flesh off and make them into people that torture people. Sure. You know? And that's what he did. It was just crazy. So that's you know, that was that challenge. But, yeah, I have to. That was probably one of my favorite because I ended up winning that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I won the, uh, the uh, uh, what was the other one? The uh, I'm trying. Hunger Games. Okay. Yeah, yeah. me and Darla did the uh, Ram Cactus, which is that big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably one of my favorites also. But the Clyde Barker one was I kind of stumbled upon it as mm-hmm. I was as I was developing it, and uh, I wasn't expecting to win it at all. I was hoping to at least be, you know, safe. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to be bottom looks, but I ended up winning it somehow. So. Um, now, where can we find all your stuff at and designs and everything else? Um, I do a lot of stuff just on like Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Um, you just you know Google me. I'm on Twitter and stuff too, and I'll I cross promote you know my my pages and stuff. You got anything new, uh, upcoming that you want to talk about? Um, I'm actually transi- transitioning into uh, doing more fine artwork. Okay. Um, I'm going to start um, getting into foundry work and pouring up like bronze and brass sculptures and stuff. Oh, wow. and you actually got lands and everything else here, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I got a stall that I molded up and I rotocast it and uh, got a little lamp that I turned it into and you know just little projects that I work on my own just to keep myself busy. Sure. 
And with you being a helicopter mechanic, pretty much it all goes from there that you just need something to do with your hands, correct? Pretty much, yeah. yeah I yeah. think it's kind of funny that you went from helicopter mechanic to makeup artist. Everything yeah. is just building and creating yeah, in and some form or another. Yeah, and it started when I was in high school. You know, I was in pottery class, and uh, I told the teacher I didn't want to make cups and bowls and plates <laughs> and stuff. I said, so can I make a sculpture? And she was like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want, you know. It, you know, she knew that I didn't want to do a coffee mug. Yeah, a coffee <laughs> mug because that was boring to me, and so she allowed me to expand. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I learned how to manipulate clay. And you feel. If you let it set overnight, you know, keep it wrapped, but let it set overnight, it'll stiffen up, and then you can actually start using your tools on it, you know, but if you let it sit overnight uncovered, it cracks the next day, mm-hmm. you know, and dries that's, out. That's what happened to all mine. Yeah. <laughs> I know, gave you, up. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn how to work it right, so. We want to thank Ben Peter, and you can check him out on Instagram and on his Facebook page and also on Twitter. Again, that's Ben Peter from Sci-Fi uh, Show Face Off. And, of course, we couldn't do the Cincinnati Comic Expo without our big, lovable huggy bear, Dev, from Snake Oil Comics. It's the first time I got to see him, um, and I got a big old hug from him, so I appreciate that. Uh, but then, we got uh, Jeff got to sit down with him, and uh, you could hear the dip man in the background a little bit, too. Uh, so, enjoy. All right, here we are in beautiful downtown Cincinnati, Duke Energy Convention Center. Beautiful. Beautiful. I haven't been outside much, so I can't <laughs> attest to the, the beauty of outside. Uh, I'm here with Big Dev. <sighs> Had to get the sign. <laughs> of course. It's apparently my signature now. Yes. I, I think the interview will just be Dev sign after every question. <laughs> if it's all about Gotham, then yeah, it's going to be a lot of signs. <laughs> we don't have to talk about Gotham. Well, did you see the new Gotham? I, I did premiere? not. Uh, Heno did tell me that I should actually watch it. It's it's fun, um, but uh, no, I'm not no, going no. to. <laughs> if you didn't like what's happened before, you won't like what's going on. Well, you know, I really thought they had potential at the beginning of season two, and then about five episodes in, they lost me. <laughs> you threw your hat down and said, that's yeah. it, I'm done. Yep, pretty much. Oh, all right. I want to... Last time I talked to you, yes, you had driven through on your to go down your bourbon tour. Yep, yep. And then I listened to the Snake Oil, uh, 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 your podcast. Uh, Which one? Shot of History, or I, th- I think it was your just regular Snake Oil. I, I, I talked about it a little bit. Shot of History is the one that I actually did, like the history of uh, bourbon on. Well, well. There's one specific thing you said. Uh, maybe it was just you complaining on Facebook. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of complaining yeah. on Facebook and Twitter. There, there was one specific thing I wanted to ask about. Okay. Because you were bitching about Ohio Driver. Uh, it's terrible. And I didn't know if there was a specific thing about it. Because well, it's so they, they slow you down to make you be here that much longer. And just the worst drivers, especially like... And it's, you know, it, maybe it's not the drivers. Maybe it is just the fact that here in Cincinnati, there are 80 interchanges that hit at the same time, and you don't know exactly which one you're supposed to get off on. Oh, uh, that and there's, suck. and there's a bunch of, oh, like, here's exit one through A through F. <laughs> 
yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's very slow. I mean, I'm used to driving 80, and well, you get over the border into Ohio, and you immediately have to drive down, drop down to 65. That's semi-driving. Because <laughs> that exact same weekend, I was up on the far corner of the state. Yep. I'm north to east, about as far as you can go, almost to Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I drove straight down to the southwest, and it was like the smoothest drive I've ever had in my life. And I, just the same time you're bitching about, <laughs> and I went, huh, I thought it was pleasant this weekend. Maybe, maybe it was just the road that we were on, and every yeah. time I've come through Ohio, I just... Well, I think the biggest problem is, yeah, 71, which was the intersection, interstate I was taking. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty much most of the way uh, three lanes. Oh, okay. And I think that might have made the big difference. Yeah, that could. Well, last night leaving here, uh, 75 yeah. is all under construction. Oh, that's been under construction and since I was born. we, like, we're leaving here, and it's like, okay, well, you know, following the GPS, and you hit all these weird splits to maintain the same amount of traffic, but, and then you all end up merging back together anyway. It, it makes no sense how they laid it out. They would have been just better off saying, oh, only these two lanes are open. <laughs> it was it was super weird and trying to ride it for that night. It was it was a nightmare. You just go straight, just yeah. forward. And well, if I would have kept going straight in the lane that I was in, I probably would have ended up in Kentucky, and that's no <laughs> good at all. <laughs> but you, know, you enjoyed your bourbon tour. I did. It was uh, It was an experience. So, so you said shot of history. You got the, the whole uh, story on that. Yep, uh, we did a two a two parter where I basically gave kind of uh, a brief history and what makes bourbon bourbon, and you know some of the mythology surrounding some of the big names like Elijah Craig and Evan Williams and and all that. So uh, it uh, yeah, it was fun. But you know, after about the the second tour. You're like, let me guess. You take rye and corn and uh, and barley and you uh, put it in this thing and you ferment it for five days and then you distill it and then you put it in barrels for four to seven years and then bottle it. <laughs> so you're pretty much saying you need to see one and you pretty much got the gist of them all? Yeah, I mean, it's fun though to go and see each, each different uh, production places uh, method of producing. I mean, obviously, the, the overall base concept is the same, yeah. but uh, they, yeah, it's just, you know, when they're, when they're explaining it to you and then they're, like, asking, oh, who knows, you know, what comes next? It's like, I, you know, I could just give you the tour myself at this point. We just need the abbreviated tour, yeah. the this is what we do different than the other people part yeah. of the tour. Well, and then the, we were on one tour, and the girl was super sweet and she you know asking us and about all this stuff and kind of walking us through it and then she's like well how many tours have you guys been on uh let's see what is today uh i think this is our seventh one so far this week oh so you're just kind of here for the stamp on your passport aren't you yeah i mean and the tasting at the end <laughs> the tasting really yeah 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 I'm, I'm paying 20 bucks to really just taste the high-end stuff that i'm not gonna spend 80 dollars on a bottle anyway yeah. <laughs> but yeah no it was it was a good time I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it uh except for the travel back through ohio uh and you know to to and through is just it's no good it's just 
We just need to get rid of Ohio completely. Oh, that hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That hurts us. But it's the heart of it all. No, no. It's it's really Michigan's armpit, if you think about it. (laughs) If we're the hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. That's forearm, maybe. Come on. Crook of the elbow, maybe. (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. I, I, I give I give you shit, but Ohio's it, Ohio's all right. It has its it has its moments. <laughs> uh, so, what you guys uh, doing down here at the convention, pushing through, promoting? Uh, well, I am uh, I'm basically Travis's personal chauffeur. Okay. Um, Lackey. And then, yep. And then when I'm not driving him around, uh, while he rides around with his weird crown that he's made himself uh i'm uh i'm pack mule uh, as well so I, I i carry all the stuff in and uh you know i'm a, I'm a little burrow basically uh for most of the con <laughs> but uh no I, we're uh travis asked he had an extra spot basically and uh so i was like yeah i can come down originally i wasn't gonna come um but there they got two tables here they had the space I said, why not? They're, and they're, they hit a lot of cons. I, I think something like 56 this year. Yeah. How, how do they, are there that many that they get multiples every week? Uh, there's, during the, the high, high point, um, there are like uh, New York City Comic Cons coming up. Yeah. There's actually a con in Michigan that same weekend. Oh. They have a group of guys going to the con in Michigan okay, so and a group okay. of guys in uh, New York. So gotcha. it is not actually uncommon for them to do multiple cons on the same, on the same weekend. weekend. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're really hustling and it's and it's paying off. They uh, they were out at uh, Boston or Baltimore a couple of weekends ago and they actually had like kind of big name writers actually coming up to them and oh, cool. asking for. Uh, Asking to do some work with them, so oh, that's, that's really paying off, yeah. And I'm just there, uh, apparently riding on Travis's coattails. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's riding on yours. Yeah, I am. You know, well, I am kind of internet famous, I guess. You are internet famous. <laughs> uh, so speaking of your internet famous, what uh, what are all the uh, uh, podcasts you are on? Oh man, I know you got a list the, of them. The active ones <laughs> We'll start are, with that. <laughs> are uh, Snake Oil Comics, uh, Shot of History are the two main ones that are that publish regularly. Um, and then I do another one with a couple of college buddies that publishes sporadically <laughs> uh, called Essence of Man. And uh, I also produce and occasionally appear on Snake Oil Horror. And then there's a, a plethora of dead ones, and some that never actually even made it to, to publication. So, the, that one I'm I'm the most disappointed in. It was called the Brew Cocky Review. Okay. Uh, and it was. It I'm was, a little scared <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was gonna be kind of like a, a beer review. Uh, you know, we would get drunk and we review things. We'd review the beer that we were drinking, and uh, it just. 
The concept didn't work in the fact that we always got shithoused before we, <laughs> before <laughs> before we actually got to, started. Yeah, because ah. yeah, one person was always uh, just getting off of work at like 11 o'clock, and the other two people were had already been drinking since 5. Ah. <laughs> so uh, it did not work out as well as we had planned. And he had to have the sober guy be the one in charge of recording. and Well, he was trying to play sober. catch up, so ah. the whole time he was shoveling beers in his face. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, yeah the, the the two the three big ones right now are are the Snake Oil Horror Shot of History, and Snake Oil Comics, and then every once in a while you appear on Heno's uh, Gotham Lights and <laughs> he does want me back on. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's a lot of heavy sighing. So <laughs> uh, it's always nice to get an opposing view. The problem is you have to pretty much watch it so you can give a, an opinion. Yeah, I mean I understand why they like it. It's not really written for me, clearly. clearly. I mean, there's a lot of shows out there that are clearly not written for me. Uh, you know, Supergirl being a prime example. Not clearly. Not, clearly not written for yeah. you. But, but however written for you, however, uh, Kevin Can Wait. You know? Oh, yeah, Kevin Can Wait. That's, that's pure genius. Yeah, I actually watched beautiful. the first episode, and uh, the whole time I was like, man... Bricker is really missing out on this. <laughs> well, this is comedic genius at its finest. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to do a new, uh, a new uh, a segment on our show where I watch Kevin Kuwait every week and talk about it, so Jason has to hear about it. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Are you going to call it uh, Paul Blart? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I actually did watch the first episode of that, and it's like, man, this is basically king of queens yeah, yeah different woman playing the one uh, yeah. uh, a nicer less toned yeah, down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, less screechy uh, wife uh but yeah no it was uh it was something else it was weird watching that show <laughs> yeah it's like he's doug heffernan but he's not doug heffernan what's yeah. going on here well and his, and his brother's on the show too or his yeah. cousin or whatever i, I think it's his real life brother yeah playing his brother this time as opposed yeah. to his cousin. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, nepotism still works. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, craziness. But yeah, it's not it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it is definitely very much uh, <laughs> it is very much King of Queens. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the Kevin James acting humor that you've been used yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But better than uh, Chuck and Larry though. You know what? I didn't hate Chuck and Larry. Oh, I hated Chuck and Larry with a passion. I, I didn't hate it. It had its moments where it was it was funny, but it was overall, yes, it yeah. was not a great movie. But it wasn't yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, I hate a movie that's supposed supposedly championing something specific, right, right. like in that case, gay rights, where all it is is one big gay joke. Yeah, it's like uh, you're no, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> But they redeem themselves at the end, don't they? Oh, yeah. The, the, the two minutes at the end where, oh, wait, everything, we learned a lesson. Yay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it could be worse. It could be uh, Paul Blart. <laughs> it could be Paul Blart. You know, I honestly have never seen either Paul Blart. I can't bring myself to watch them. Uh, they're, they're not good. <laughs> they are not good. So you saw the second one? Uh, I... I stomached about 15 minutes of it, okay. and that was about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Kevin James. Kevin James, thumbs up. A-lister. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till he's at the con next year. And oh, can... man, that'd be... We should probably work on that. We should, yeah. We... 
We should talk to Andrew. Tell him get yeah. Kevin James next year. Yeah, I mean he's he big time pull. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have people. I'll, I'll, his lines will be longer than Stan Lee's are right now. <laughs> and then, best part, you'll be able to kick Brigger out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got anything coming up? Any uh, projects in the works you wanna? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the the usual stuff. Just podcasting. I don't. Uh, I don't have a whole lot coming up. I mean, there's a lot of. We're definitely trying to make a bigger push on doing uh, funny book guys on SOC. Okay. Our our <laughs> parody of comic book man on AMC. Uh, we're we're uh, looking at getting a a, a legit. Uh, production company to come in and do the filming and oh, editing right. and stuff. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Uh, I really, when you guys came up with the idea, I think you and uh, Graphic Novice kind of between the two of you kind of fleshed out the idea. Yeah, it was it, it was a nice Twitter thread there for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I think we're we're moving towards hopefully actually getting that off the ground. So that that'll be fun. Um, I would like to figure out how to get the funding and get uh, the short film uh, that we were gonna, short animated feature that we were going to do for the show based off of uh, based off of me really. Uh, it's called uh, Big Dev's Little Cakes, uh, and it's a bunch of punny, stupid, like slapsticky uh, cartoon, uh, kind of done in the same uh, animation style as Archer. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, basically because I'd like to make cakes and that uh, this whole thing, there's this whole story on SOC where Steve thought I was a pickle scientist at one point, which really I worked at a pickle factory and, and I happened and I happened to now be a scientist <laughs> and he confused the two, but then. I, you know, now because my side hobby is to decorate cakes, I, I open a bakery as uh, Big Dev, and it's called Big Dev's Little Cakes. And uh, I have a guy that works for me that's dressed up as one of those comically large stuffed uh, cupcakes. <laughs> but you never see him outside of the suit because part of his employment is he's always got to be in the suit. Uh, and, you know, the... the there's a like a side story where he goes to like a Kelly Services, like a, a contracting company, and he shows up and uh, they hand him the suit and they're like, you have to go to the interview in the suit. <laughs> and he's got a comically small car and they're like, you cannot, once you put the suit on, you cannot get out of the suit. <laughs> and he, he has to basically walk the like 20 blocks to the job interview in this big cupcake suit. And, uh, you know, Big Dev uh, basically just acts, acts like he's already got the job because he doesn't know any better. It's yeah. just this cupcake. Is, you know, cup, and it, he always gets referred to as cupcake. And you see his <laughs> eyes, and he always looks sad. <laughs> but he's got the big, giant, googly eyes yeah. on, the, on the top of it. It's, it's going to be great. cut-out eyes, yeah. sad eyes. Yeah, it, it'll be great. Uh, I, wanna, I really want to get that. There's a, there's a script uh, written. Oh. Uh, but uh, we just got to find the, the right people to do the animation at this point. But uh, yeah, that's that's a, a few things. Uh, and eventually, the calendar. Oh. The the I'm, sexy I'm, dev calendar. Uh, that's kind of worrying me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that we're working on that. I think I'm actually. I think Jay's gonna do a. Uh, is actually working on a commission of me, maybe as Zardoz. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple of your other photos yeah. or, or drawings. He, said, he says he wants this one to be a little bit more tasteful. I was like, well, but it's sexy big dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's never tasteful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that, that's great. I've, I've got right now, as it stands, enough to do, like, a 12-month calendar. Oh, all right. Yeah, so we'll see. That, that's... I've got to I've got to input everything and, and get it done, but uh, that that'll be a, a, like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter thing too, and we'll just basically do print on demand type thing. Interesting. Yeah. So it'll be good. It'll be fun. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to sit down. Oh yeah, not a problem. I've been doing a whole lot of sitting today actually. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a nice change of uh, scenery. <laughs> a, a nice quieter spot. So yes. We can get yeah. something here. But yeah. No, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, not a problem. Comic book and movie fans, are you upset that you missed the Great Cincinnati Comic Expo 2016 in Cincinnati, Ohio? Have no fear. There is always next year. 2017 Cincinnati Comic Expo returns to the Duke Energy Convention Center in September. Uh, please check their website, www.cincinnatiacomicexpo.com for more information as it comes out. They release information pretty often, uh, pretty much every month, uh, starting in a couple months, uh, about all the big artists and names that they'll have. Also, keep your eyes appealed because there could be a special little attraction coming in June as well. Uh, so yes, check out www.cincinnatiacomicexpo.com and we will see you at the Expo next year. That was our special edition of the Cincinnati Comic Expo. Uh, we do appreciate all the guests that came on uh, and also the Cincinnati Comic Expo for letting us come down there and pretty much, you know, wander around uh, and see the sights and that. Check out our Facebook page, The History of Bad Ideas on Facebook. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Ideas Podcast. And uh, we will keep you updated on all the news for next year's expo. And again, like I said, keep your eyes open and ears open. There could be something else coming up uh, early next year. And uh, again, we appreciate everything. And next week we will be back to our regularly scheduled program. And Roger says goodbye. From walking dead to talking heads, from comic books to TV sets, there's a history not so bad. There's a history. It's the history of bad, so bad.